Good morning. What a wonderful privilege to be with you and to be a part of this. I want you to know, those of you that are listening to us, that some great surprises coming about this, this television ministry. And uh, we're praying that God will begin a movement to put us in, in small markets in the south of the United States to where we're going to be ministering to more people than ever before. We've been covering the book of Galatians. And it's a very interesting book because it's Paul's response to the Judaizers in Asia Minor as how they added the law to the grace of God or salvation by faith uh, uh, alone is Paul. Salvation by faith plus something else is the Judaizers. And so I've, I've picked up two verses from from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, uh, uh, 4, 5, 6, and 7, actually. Four verses. And I want to treat them, first of all, uh, in small, uh, in small, in uh, uh, in ideas. The first one, is, and I want to read the verse for you first. It says, when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, God sent His Spirit of His Son, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a God, God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. God, I ask you to bless this word as my brother and sister begins to listen. And, and God, enable me to be able to do this. You know, God, I'm an evangelist and, uh, and uh, I'm not a teacher, but I want to do the best I can for you this morning so you'll be able to hear it. Amen. When the set time had fully come. When the set time had fully come. It's an interesting verse of scripture. And it begins this way, when the set time has fully come. The idea here is that God has an appointed time. And that the energy is a container being filled, steadily filled, until it's full. So imagine a cup of water and a jar of water pouring on that cup. And, 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 and what Paul is saying here, when the set time had fully come. Now, time is an important ingredient in life. All of us have a clock, a biological clock running. And of course, you can accept the biological clock and continue to do what God wants you to do, or you begin to obey the biological clock and you decide that it's time to retire. You see, that's the wrong decision. You never retire, but you refire. So, to be in God's time is critical these days. It is one of my major prayers uh, is that I will not leave God's timing for my life. Uh, what makes life to be under a call of God is that you are in God's time. Sometimes you make decisions 
financial decisions based on your call. Then you make psychological decisions based on your call. Then you make uh, 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 physical decisions based on your call. But a servant never retires. So the law, in this sense, when time had fully come, uh, the law required men to act. But it was God who acted here. So when you read this verse of Scripture, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. It's God. In His time, He acted. It wasn't the law acting, it was God acting. The time of God was fixed. Look at, uh, look at uh, Jesus in Mark 1.14. Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, time is fulfilled. See, all of you that are listening today, I told you there's a biological clock upon your life. But there's also a spiritual clock. And the spiritual clock is, is, is the one that demands, the ones that rules, the ones that call the shots, not the biological clock. If you study the prophets, you're going to see that all of them were in God's spiritual time. They were in God's, not biological clock, but God and God's time. And the ministry that God gave these, these apostles, these prophets, was amazing. If you study Jeremiah, if you study Isaiah, if you study Elijah, Elisha, you're going to find that God terminated. It wasn't them that decided to take a break. Now, the time was right when the Roman civilization had brought peace in, in a road system for, which facilitated travel. Time was right when the Grecian civilization provided a language that is crispy clear, Greek, a language of the empire. Imagine. Time was right when Jews began to proclaim monotheism, one God, in the messianic hope in the synagogues of the Mediterranean world, begin to come alive. So my question to you is this. Are you in God's time? Are you seeing how life operates? You see, today, the pandemic in the United States and throughout the world took people out of their regular schedules. What happened was, the doctor don't go to the office for fear of being infiltrated with COVID by his patients. The teacher don't go to school to teach because if, if he exposed himself to the students, <clears throat> that would be a detrimental to his health. And what I've tried to do this year is to do as much as possible all that I've done all my life. And we stopped for maybe a week or two in the pandemic, but we didn't quit, we didn't close the doors, and we kept on going. And I think <clears throat> today... I'm speaking to many of you that are parked somewhere in a parking lot of the world on the fourth floor wondering, where are you? Where are you going? What you are doing? Listen to the word. It says, very clear, this, this, this Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the set time had fully come. So Jesus is running on His time. And I hope that you are running on God's time. God sent His Son to redeem those under the law and adopt them as children. One more time. God sent His own Son to redeem those under the law 
and adopt them as children. What does that mean? And sometimes when Paul says things, it confuses you. What is he saying? He's saying that Jesus was born under the law as a Jew. He kept the law. He fulfilled the law. So that's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so when you see the law, the law is good. The problem is that in order to understand the kingdom, people begin to, they begin, they transform it into a performance above all else. What do you mean? You see, we want to be holy and righteous. But we begin to do things expecting that what we do will make you holy, will make you right, will make you good. And that is legalism. I'm going to explain a little more the word legalism. There's nothing you can do to deserve the blessing of God. All you can do is simply to receive it by faith. This is what Paul is saying to the Judaizers uh, in Asia Minor. The law was good, but they began to perform. You see, perfectionism, it's a cancer. It begins in your house as you do several cleanings a day. It begins in your house to where you can't see a dirty dish. It begins in your house when you uh, 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 have to have uh, 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 perfectionistic ideas about furniture, about who you are and what it is that you have. You see, it kills the work of the Holy Spirit because you'll never be able to please God with what you do. So imagine someone that is trapped in sin. And you decided simply to repent and forgive God for your sin. But before that you begin to fast a week, a month, two, three times a month. And you begin to overdo it. And before too long you're sick. You see, God removes sin by confession. If we confess our sins, He's just and faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You cannot be perfect 100% of the time. So perfectionist is a... Now, now, what do you mean... What, what is the relationship with what I'm saying as to the law? The emphasis here is not on the penalty of the law, but on the bondage. The bondage of the law. And let me tell you a little story about this. Jesus told a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Remember that? The Pharisee thanked God that he was not like other people. He was better because he followed the rules of tithing in fasting. On the other side, the tax collector was a clearly sinner. Unfortunately for the Pharisee, according to Jesus, he trusted in what he did for God. The tax collector trusted on what God did for him. According to Jesus, there's a big difference between the two. I'll say it again. Unfortunately for the Pharisee, according to Jesus... He trusted what God did, what, in what he did for God. As the tax collector trusted on what God did for him. Here's another example of legalism. On the day the disciples came upon a blind man, they asked Jesus, Is this man blind because of his own sin or the sin of his parents? In other words, he was being punished by God and they wanted to know who was to blame, his parents or him. 
or the man who received the miracle. This is clearly an example of legalism because according to legalists, you follow the rules. God will show you favor upon you with good things and you, if you don't follow the rules, God will punish you. That's legalism. How does legalism creep upon your life? You begin, to, you begin to focus on God's rules instead of your relationship with God. You begin to try to be good when you decide that you can't be good enough. And you trust it by faith. That's Abraham's faith. He accounted for righteousness because his heart was exactly the heart of this, uh, of this man, uh, uh, that, uh, the tax collector. He simply, he simply trusted in what God did for him, just like Abraham. Now, the second idea here is keeping external laws without truly submitting the heart. You see, when you submit the heart, it's not what you do for God, but what God does for you through the Holy Spirit to change your mind, to make you unable to do the right things for the Lord. And legalism is, is a terrible thing because it, it, it adds human rules, treating them as divine. Adding human rules, treating them as divine. Galatians 3.13 is a powerful verse. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, made a curse for us, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Since Christ redeemed and set free those who are under the law, Paul asks, why should Gentiles convert now wish to be placed under it. You know, it's salvation by faith or you have to be circumcised. And Paul is saying, faith alone. I hope you're listening to this because the heart of pleasing God is to fully commit and submit to Him instead of trying to do things in order to gain favor with God. Well, let me, let me say this. I've had in my life 240 mission trips throughout the world. Am I expecting that that counts for my salvation? Not really. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That's my job. I'm not going to talk or talk about that as being something holy. I want to make sure that as I minister to the thousands that come to receive the gospel, I'm going to be able to say, I thank God that you have used me for your glory, this, this unfit servant. Now cleanse me, redeem me, set me free, bless my life, God, and let me finish this well. Number three. I'm, I'm, I'm using the verse that I that I started with, and I want to read it again just to sort of uh, keep you going so you're able to uh, understand where I, where I am right now. Let me do this. It says this, When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption of sonship. Well, that's a mouthful, isn't it? And, and I know you're trying to understand that and, and clear that. So let me help you. Uh, with that, so uh, 
Now, because you are sons, God sent His Spirit. Alright? God sent His Spirit in the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit of God in the presence of God cries out for you. The Holy Spirit cries out. What do you mean by that? When you are disturbed, when you are rejected, when you are hurting, when you are uh, struggling with life, when you feel alone, when you feel that nobody cares for you, and nobody answers your phone calls, nobody talks to you, nobody emails back, texts back, you begin to feel like you are rejected. And what the Holy Spirit does, at that when He senses that you are struggling, He begins to cry out, Oh God, oh God, have mercy, oh God, have mercy on this young man. Oh God, have mercy on this young lady. Have mercy on this mother, this father, this grandmother, this grandfather. Oh God, bless them. They're up there somewhere in the world. They're crying out for the family, for the children. Oh God, listen to them. God, I ask you. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cries out. And it's not just a little cry. When you are going through a storm in your life, I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit of God is crying out for you. And it's not just a little tear here and there. He's sobbing. Because the word Abba means dear daddy, dear father. The Spirit who calls out or cries out. Now God the Father not only sent His Son, but send the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift of God to every believer because of sonship. In other words, if you are, if you confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord, you become the Son of God, a child of God. No sons or daughters of God lack the Holy Spirit. The problem in America is that we have much less information on the on the Holy Spirit. We know a lot about the Atlanta Braves. We know about every average, every single game, every single pitch of a, of a pitcher during his lifetime. And you can take the average and look at those balls and those this and those that he hit. In other words, we are so careful in sports to count inch by inch, football, basketball, volleyball, whatever. But when it comes to understand the convictor of our sins, of our life, of our unrighteousness, the Holy Spirit. We know very little about it. We celebrate Pentecost once a year. We don't know the operation. And anyone who teaches in that area, and anyone who speaks in that area, is considered to be someone of lesser nature or character. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And so in our ministry, you're going to find a lot of information about the prophetic work of God through the Holy Spirit. And it's all over our website. You can go into latterain.com, L-A-T-T-E-R-A-I-N.com. And you're going to hear things that it's not normal to hear. Very seldom you are able to find. Why have I made that decision? I didn't make that decision. God baptized me with the Holy Spirit. And in return, He tells me what to do. And I'm being obedient to Him. You probably say, well, I don't agree with you. Well, I, I, I give you all the benefits of, the, of doubt that I'm totally out of my mind but I'm pleasing God now tell me should I please God or please you amen father 
He is present with each believer's heart to give evidence of that one's position in God's family. He's present. I belong to the family of God. I belong to, to a father in a large family of believers throughout the world. I am one of his children. And I feel that I have a family. You know, yesterday I visited my dear friend Art in Marietta, Georgia. And I met his whole family. When I got there, they all welcomed me uh, to their family. And before too long, I'm eating uh, something called a southern draw, whatever. It was, it was a sausage and shrimp and corn and potatoes all mixed together. And uh, oh my goodness, that was a wonderful meal. As I ate that, that unbelievable piece of shrimp, I thought, I tell you, thank God for being the family of God. I'm blessed of the Lord. So the Spirit moves the believer to become a family, to receive the gift, to pray to God, addressing Him as Father. The Spirit moves the believer. Listen, the Holy Spirit moves the Holy Spirit moves the believer. The believer. The Holy Spirit moves the believer to believe and to cry, Abba Father. A, B, C, D, number four. So you are no longer a slave, but a child, God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also an heir. I want to pray with you this afternoon, this morning, whatever time in the world you are listening to me. Have you made a decision not to be a slave? You see, the sense of this verse is Paul speaking to the people and the providence of Asia Minor. He established down there hundreds of churches. So he is now in Corinth wondering what's happening to them, for they decided to add uh, to salvation a condition. And so he is desperate. He is in Jerusalem talking to Peter and to John and to James. And he is asking them, do you hear me? And I wish I could have been at that meeting just to see Paul facing Peter and facing the Apostle John, for goodness sakes the one that loved Jesus the most, and saying to them, I want you all to listen to me. I don't believe you have to add anything. Let me say this. In the teachings of uh, last week, when Jonathan Dunn taught, he brought an interesting subject, that there are churches, that unless they baptize you, there's no reason to believe that uh, you can join that church. Unless the pastor baptizes you. That's a form of legalism. Because you see, if someone's been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's God's property. It's not yours. And so you begin to add performances to your ministry. And it quenches the Spirit of God. That is what Paul is saying. So you are no longer a slave. So being a slave makes you a performer. I've been trying to tell you that. You perform in order so people to like you, to appreciate you, 
to love you. And when you begin to do that, expecting them to love you, you can't please God because the Holy Spirit will not convict. I'm saying this to you because I'm speaking to leaders throughout the United States, pastors and ministers. And I want to say from my heart to you, you're not a performer. Get out your dancing shoes and get out of the stage. You are in the presence of a holy God who expects you to be obedient and hear His voice. And that's all He's required of you. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. You know, I, I think about John Wesley in one of his uh, writings. Looking back in spiritual maturity, he said this, I had even then the faith of a servant, though not that of a son. I had even then the faith of a servant, though not that the faith of a son. And that occurred when he came into St. Simon's Island and couldn't bring salvation to a single Indian. He returned to England. And all this great experience happened. And the Holy Spirit came upon the life of this mighty man of God. And he preached to literally thousands, 3,000 sermons, established the foundation of single, every single denomination in this country. Let me ask you this. Slavery is when you perform to earn salvation. Performance leads to perfectionistic ideas. How do you change this idea of performance? You begin to relax from where you are to your mind. You know, go to bed with dirty dishes. Try not to guess your car until the last minute. Do not empty the trash for about a week. Now and then, eat pork. Now and then, get a hat that looks kind of odd and mess up your hair. Now and then, eat some ice cream, even though the doctor has said, you cannot touch any kind of sweets ever. And so, and so <laughs> last night I came home from Atlanta, Georgia, and I simply just picked up a little sweet out of the refrigerator and said, Oh, hallelujah, die! <laughs> In other words, stop performing. Stop trying to be 100% justified. Ask God to convict you in His sweet Holy Spirit. It's more important your relationship with God, what God does for you, than what you do for Him. Perfectionistic ideas is the base for fear coming into your life. So you become a slave. When you are His child, it activates faith. And against slavery, you win favor with God. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without giving to Him, establishing relationship with Him. This is, this is Pastor Rick Bonfim. Our address is 1100. Uh, 1711 Meriwether Drive, Suite 104, Athens, Watkinsville, Georgia, 30677. Our telephone number is 706-353-1546.
I want to introduce to you what's coming next. I'm teaching today in about uh, five minutes or so, or two minutes or so, you're going to hear Eugene Dunn. Pastor Eugene Dunn, uh, Eugene Thomas, it is, it is a retired pastor, Dr. Thomas, from, uh, from uh, uh, Arlington, Virginia. And I want you to introduce you to him in the next 30 minutes. He's quite a teacher, an anointed man of God. What a blessing Dr. Thomas has been to our ministry for so many years. You're also going to hear uh, after that uh, uh, Penn Morrison, and then you're going to hear Andy Hines. You're going to hear Sandy Blunt. But Sandy Bonfin, my daughter, at 11 o'clock, my daughter will teach this morning, and about uh, 11.30 to 12, Cindy Fain. I want you to hear Cindy Fain because she's going to bless your life in the way you've never been blessed before. May the Lord bless you and bless you abundantly. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that I am by faith in your presence. Lord, don't abandon me, Father. Strengthen me in this time and in this hour as I serve you with all my heart. Convict me of my sin and help me to follow your steps and not perform to you a single time in what I do so I can please you 100% of my time on this earth. I thank you, Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. If you enjoyed the Bible study this morning, would you let us know by contacting rbm at latterain.com. Latte rain. Simply just, just send us a text and say, I heard you, Brother Rick. And so I encourage you, do it again in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye-bye.